Jesus, take the wheel. Do you know this country music song from 2005, Carrie Underwood, Jesus, take the wheel? Maybe you're not much of a country music listener, but I'm convinced that that lyric is one of the most profound and simple and life-changing prayers that any of us could ever pray. I want you to listen to the whole chorus. I'm not going to sing it for you, but I'll read the lyric to you. It's an amazing prayer. Here's how it goes. Jesus, take the wheel. Take it from my hands. Because I can't do this on my own. I'm letting go. So give me one more chance and save me from this road I'm on. Jesus, take the wheel. I love it. Maybe you prefer the old hymn version of the same prayer that says, I surrender all. Or take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. These are all variations of the same theme, variations of the same prayer. It's a prayer of surrender. It's a prayer that says, I've been doing things my own way, but starting today, Lord Jesus, I want you to take over my life. I've been trying to control everything on my own, but you're in control now. And what we discover in Acts chapter 9, what we discover in our scripture today, is that there are two times all of us pray this prayer, Jesus, take the wheel. The first time is rather obvious. It's at the moment of conversion. We're going to see that in Saul's conversion. But the second time that we pray, Jesus, take the wheel, might come as a bit of a surprise, but we'll look at it here in a few minutes. Let's first look at how we pray the prayer, Jesus, take the wheel. I surrender all at the moment of conversion. Let's look at the conversion of Saul. Verse one of our scripture. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Saul, breathing threats and murder. That's verse one of our scripture. Verse 20, which is the last part of our reading today, uh, paints a picture of a quite different person of Saul. Listen to verse 20. Immediately, he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues, saying, he is the son of God. Wow, this very same person who at the beginning of our story is breathing threats and murder at the end of our stories in the synagogue saying, I believe in Jesus. These very same lungs, these very same vocal cords, these very same lips that first said, I will murder anyone who follows Christ. Now those same instruments are saying Jesus Christ is Lord of all. What happened to this man? What happened in the middle? Well, conversion. Jesus takes over. Let's see how it goes, starting with verse 3. As Saul went on his way, he approached Damascus. Suddenly a light from heaven shone around him, and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It's a dramatic moment. A bright light shines from heaven and it knocks Saul right to the ground. There's this painting. I want you to see it. It's my favorite artist depiction of the conversion of Saul. This was painted in 1601 by an artist named Caravaggio. I want you to notice a few things about this painting with me. First of all, I, I must confess that there's obviously artistic license happening here. Nowhere in the Bible does it describe Saul being knocked off a horse. It just says in verse 4 that he falls to the ground. But there's been a long-standing church tradition that Saul was knocked off his horse by the bright light of Jesus that day. But here we have Saul coming off that horse. He's falling to the ground. 
I want you to notice something about Saul with me. Notice his hands. You see those hands? They're open. They're empty. They're not holding those reins anymore. Whereas just a moment prior, he would have been tightly gripping the reins or at least the mane of that horse on his way, charging ahead to Damascus to persecute Christians. Now he's in a posture totally on his back in surrender, arms open, and he is in a completely surrendered position. Jesus take the reins. But if you think about this with me, it's actually not what Saul prayed that day. We, we like to think often of conversion as our choice. Jesus, take the wheel. Jesus, take the reins. I surrender all. I love singing that song, I have decided to follow Jesus. But often, conversion is the decision of Jesus. Jesus came and took those reins from Saul, whether he liked it or not. So here's Saul lying on his back, open hands. He's lost the control of his life. Jesus took over. Jesus basically says, I'll take the wheel. Thank you. And what happens over the next few days, I'll just quickly summarize. Saul gets up from that place. He's blinded by the bright light of Jesus. His companions have to lead him on the rest of his way to Damascus. They bring him to someone's house where they care for him. And for three days, he's there blinded until a man named Ananias, a disciple of Jesus, comes in, lays hands on him and prays for him. And we find out what happens after that in verse 18. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. And he rose and was baptized. And taking food, he was strengthened. He was baptized. That's a detail of the story. It's easy to skip over as we think about Saul's conversion. But after three days of blindness, he gets prayed for by Ananias. He opens his eyes, something like scales fall, and he gets baptized. Now, I want you to go back to that painting. I want us to look at this painting one more time. Look again with me at Saul lying there on the ground. In baptism, just three days later, Saul would go back into this posture. But this time in baptism, it would be his decision. He would say, I surrender all. And he would put himself at the mercy of the person who baptized him. If you think about it, baptism is a quite vulnerable position to be in. If the person baptizing you is not good, while you're in that position of surrender, getting dunked underneath the water with your face pointed towards the sky, the person baptizing you, if they weren't good, they could keep you down there. And this could go really badly for you. But if they're good, they will bring you back up and you will celebrate your new life in Christ. Saul, three days after he'd been knocked to the ground by Jesus, put in this position of surrender, whether he liked it or not. Three days later, something had happened in his heart, something had happened in his mind, where he was able to make agreement with what Jesus had decided for him. Jesus chose him. Jesus said, I'll take the reins of your life. And three days later, Saul said, I agree with that. I surrender. I go into the posture of surrender. I loosen the grip on my own life. Jesus, take the wheel. All right, so that's the first time we pray the prayer. What's the second time? I mentioned it comes as a bit of a surprise. We're going to see in the story of Ananias that the second time we pray the prayer, Jesus, take the wheel. Jesus, take control. I surrender all. The second time we pray that prayer is every day every day. Once we become a disciple, once we become a follower of Jesus, we pray that prayer firstly, but then we're invited to pray it every day thereafter. Let's find out the story of Ananias, how that goes. Verse 10, 
There was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. A disciple. A disciple named Ananias. In other words, this is a person who's already had his conversion. He's already had his baptism of repentance. He's already said, I surrender all. He's already said, Jesus, take the wheel. This is a man who's already following Christ, and he's going to be given an opportunity. He's going to be given an invitation to surrender once again on this daily basis. Who appears to him? The Lord. The Lord said to him, in a vision. This is the very same Lord. This is the very same Jesus who came to Saul in a blinding light that knocked him to the ground. Now Jesus would appear to another man, Ananias, a disciple of his in a far more gentle, a far more subtle way. He would appear to Ananias in a vision. And he has an assignment for him. Verse 11, rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he's praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in, lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. Quite specifically, Jesus appears to Ananias in a vision and gives him directions. It's almost as if Jesus is reaching in to Ananias' life and he's saying, you know what, I'm going to take the wheel once again. And I'm going to steer you, literally, to a street called Straight, to a particular house, And I want you to enter into that house where there's a man named Saul. And I want you to place your hands on that man and pray for him. Now, we don't actually have to wonder what Ananias thought about this assignment he's just received from God because we learn about it in the next verse. But, verse 13, but Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much evil he's done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. It's almost like Ananias is saying, are you sure, Jesus? I might need to just take the steering wheel back from you just a little bit because I'm not sure, Jesus, that you have all the facts here. Now, this might seem like a perfectly reasonable and rational dialogue that Ananias has with Jesus, and it is. And the Lord loves it when we dialogue with him. But if you think about it a little bit more deeply with me, Ananias has just been visited by Jesus. Jesus, the one who conquered sin when he died on the cross, the one who conquered death when he rose from the tomb, the one that scripture tells us was there at the beginning of all creation when the father was speaking creation into existence, the one who upholds the universe by the word of his power, the king of all kings, the Lord of lords. And he visits simple disciple Ananias in a vision. And Jesus says, I'm going to take the steering wheel of your life real quick. I'm going to steer you to a particular place. And Ananias speaks to the king of kings and he says, I'm not so sure. I think I'll take control of my day. I don't want to go to that place. It seems reasonable that he would remind Jesus of who Saul is, but if you really think about it, this is an invitation to surrender once again to the desires of God, to the will of God, to the assignment that God has for Ananias. Verse 15, the Lord said to Ananias, go. In other words, I'm gripping that steering wheel, buddy. Here we go. Uh, Maybe you didn't hear me the first time. Go, 
for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how much he has to suffer for the sake of my name. Now, Ananias has a decision here. He's either going to keep arguing with Jesus or he's going to say, Jesus, take the wheel. And he's going to do what Jesus is asking him to do. That's exactly what he does. Verse 17, so Ananias departed and entered the house. I wonder what Ananias was feeling, what he was thinking. As he entered that house unannounced, sneaking into this house where a known murderer was. He entered the house, laying his hands on Saul. I wonder what fear might have gripped Ananias' heart. Maybe it's a constant prayer in Ananias' mind saying, Lord, I'm trusting you here. This doesn't make sense to me, but I'm, I'm surrendering. I'm doing what you're asking me to do. And he places his hands on murderer Saul. And he says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, Something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight and he rose and was baptized. Taking food, he was strengthened. You see what happens when we actually surrender our wills, when we actually loosen the grip of control in our lives, when we let go and let God, we get to behold the work of God. We get to behold the miracles of God. We get to behold the better way that God is leading us. He actually knows where to lead us. Ananias, because of his surrender that day, got to witness probably the most consequential conversion in all of human history. What a joy to watch Saul be baptized. Can you imagine it? To watch this murderer rise out of those waters and say, Jesus is Lord. A couple of Wednesdays ago, we were at that amazing class that's been offered by this church called How to Live Out Your Faith. And we had a man share a testimony on, there's a Zoom call, there's about 30 people on it. These classes have been great. And we had a man share a story that he's now given me permission to share with you. And I think it really shows us in our world how we might say, Jesus, take the wheel on a daily basis like Ananias was asked to do. This man from our church who was on this call, he was a school teacher. He's retired now, but he was a school teacher for many years. And he, he recalled that during his tenure as a school teacher many years ago, one day he learned, along with the rest of the school community, that one of the other teachers at the school was caught in a massive moral failure. And this man would be convicted of a crime and he would be sentenced to five years in a federal prison. When the news first came out of the massive moral failure, this man from our church, the teacher, he watched as the whole community immediately and severely turned their backs on this man. They would not associate with him for his moral failure that he had done. But this man from our church, this teacher, he felt a nudging, he felt a prompting from the Holy Spirit not to do that, but actually to kind of move in, to move towards this convicted felon, and actually go visit him in prison, not just once, but routinely over the course of his five years. Why? 
because the Holy Spirit was putting on this man's heart to go share with this man who had done such a moral failure that there's no sin that is so bad that it is not forgivable through the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. There is nothing we can do that would ever put us outside the reach of God's grace. And this teacher, this man who goes to our church, when he first felt that nudging from the Holy Spirit, he thought, I don't really want to do that. I don't really want to go into that prison and visit that guy. It's easier just to do what everyone else is doing and turn my back on this man. But the Holy Spirit kept convicting this teacher who goes to our church and he went, he surrendered. He said, okay, Lord, I'll go visit this man. And he went into that prison and he shared the good news of the gospel with a sinner in that prison. And it changed that man's life. I believe that we're all given assignments. We're all giving nudging, nudgings and promptings by the Holy Spirit. We're all given wisdom in the Word of God on a daily basis. If we're in the Word, if we're in life groups, if we're sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is speaking, He is communicating to us. And we have a decision every single day to either say, no, thank you. I'll keep grip on the steering wheel of my own life. I'll keep doing things my way, things that make sense to me. Or we can say, Jesus, take the wheel. I surrender all. Take my life and let it be. You have a nudging, you have a prompting, you have a word of wisdom. I'll do it. Just like Ananias decided to do it. Just like Saul decided in his baptism at the moment of his conversion. To put himself in that posture of vulnerable surrender. We have that opportunity. Now it's possible, I realize, that somebody might be watching this right now. And maybe you're thinking, that you've never prayed that prayer for the first time. Maybe you didn't pray the conversion prayer. Maybe you didn't actually give God control of your life. And if that's you, I just want to lead you through a simple prayer right now. Come Holy Spirit and allow us to pray this prayer with meaning from our hearts. So you can just repeat after me from where you are. You can do it silently in your heart or you can speak out loud, your choice. Just uh, repeat after me. Dear God, I confess that I've been doing things my own way. And I confess that that has led me into sin. I thank you, Jesus, for paying the price for all my sins. And starting today, I give you control. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you just prayed that for the first time, hallelujah, welcome to the family of God. If you would like to just confirm that decision through the act of baptism, just let one of us pastors know. We'd be happy, we'd love to walk you through baptism. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. Maybe you're watching this and you've already prayed that prayer. You've already converted. You've already said, Jesus, take the wheel in a massive way through conversion. But maybe you're hoping, hearing this, to have a little bit more surrender on a daily basis. And if that's true, I have a prayer for you as well. I include myself in this one. So let's pray this together. You can repeat after me. Dear God, I surrender all. Please help me today and tomorrow and every day to submit 
to your promptings and your word and your will. Lead me and guide me to your better way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.